you're listening to Range Minded from Independence Indoor Shooting. This is episode 102, where we talk about the effect that coronavirus is having on the gun world, the amount of new shooters that it's bringing into the fold, and we have special guest Adam Boyce talking about how to train indoors with both firearms and edged weapons. This was a fun one, and we hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening to Range Minded episode number 102, the ways to train when you're not at the range. Hello and welcome to Range Minded from Independence Indoor Shooting. Still open, by the way. Uh, my name is Mark Long, and I am yes, joined. Yes, we are. I am joined as always by the one and only Steve Zimmerman, all the way from the earthquake safe bunker. Yeah, I tell you what, man, it has been a week for us here in Idaho. <laughs> yes, it has. Uh, and if, if you guys, it's been it's been silly. Yeah, no, go ahead. Well, we. We've obviously all been quarantined, which apparently is getting extended, which I'm so excited for. Is that happening here? Well, it sounds like the president is going to highly encourage it. Okay. Well, then, yeah. So get prepared to stay at home for longer. Yeah, that'll be fun. (laughs) And and so between that and, and then, what was it, yesterday? No, two days ago, we dealt with the, well, I didn't. We didn't really feel it too much over here. I don't know how you guys felt over on that side of the state, but it was a, what a six point five north of Boise. Yeah, like 50, a six point was it three or six point five something like that somewhere between six point zero and six point five um, earthquake. Yeah, and I had never experienced an earthquake before. Uh, that was very very new to me. Um, it was funny because we were my fiance and I were making dinner and. Um, She's like, oh, I don't feel really good. I feel like the sink is moving away from me. And I'm like standing there about <laughs> 10 feet away and I'm looking. I see the chandelier above the dining room table moving and I hear the gl- uh, wine glasses clinking to the right of me. They're and chattering dish- back and forth. Well, the dishwasher was running and I go, I think something's wrong with the dishwasher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, had- it's uh, it's an interesting experience, isn't it? Yeah, I had no idea. I mean, and it like, I saw the cabinets kind of like in the whole house move a little bit to the left and back to the right. And I was like, this is, this is weird. I don't, I don't know what's going on. And then eventually like somebody texted me and said, we're having an earthquake. And then I had to, I spent about the next hour on the phone with friends and family talking about it. And, um, <laughs> which was fine. I mean, I'm, I'm glad we were safe and nothing bad happened and glad I could tell everybody that everything, you know, happened. Okay. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was wild, man. I'd never been through anything like that before in my life. Yeah, I was still at work, but I didn't feel it. I was working back in the shop, and then the guy I work for comes out out of his office. He's like, "You guys feel that?" Uh, no, <laughs> but it's uh, it wasn't much over here. Like, but uh, man, my sister—they live down in Utah, and they had an earthquake a month ago. Yeah, down in Salt Lake, and she called me in a panic. She's like, "I heard you guys had an earthquake." Uh, no, we're good. <laughs> we're yeah, good. Pretty wild, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I've been through one before. I've been when I was a kid. We went to Oregon. Um, I went to Oregon with my cousins, and that that weekend it was. I think it was like a seven point three or something. It was oh, wow. a large earthquake. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird, man, and you don't want to mess around with it. I uh, I guess you're supposed to stand in the doorway and not go outside. Uh, that's what my neighbor from Northern California said. Well, I'm pretty sure that information they they don't encourage that anymore. I don't know what it is. Oh, and hey, it sounds like we have a special guest coming on. Do we have our special guest here now? 
Can you see me, Adam? Yeah, did it work? Yeah, let's find out. Can you hear him, Mark? Yeah, Adam Voice, uh, everybody. He's here with us now, finally. Yeah. Sorry about that. That's okay. It's all right. Any time with Adam is valuable time. I appreciate it. <laughs> so, yeah, we do have a special guest on with us, a uh, special quarantine edition, Adam Boyce. How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic. Haven't got the coronavirus yet. Uh, had some time to practice and train, so uh, life's pretty good. Yeah, your beard is looking uh, pretty manly there. <laughs> I'm working on it. Yeah. I, yeah. I gave in and shaved mine off. Are really? you kidding me? Yeah, let me see. Let's see that. I'm growing it back because wow, it was disgusting. Wow, you look like you're about 12 years old. No, it shows my fat face is what it does, <laughs> so i got to bring it back. Man, yeah, Steve, you had Terrible. A, if Terrible. you didn't know, Steve had a great billy goat beard going on that was that was down past the chin it's, a few inches at least, and now it's gone. Yeah, it was probably almost three inches long by the time I, by the time I cut it off. Man. But it's, it's coming back. Well, your face yeah. almost matches your head now. <laughs> it's hard to see look there's some there yeah yeah i got not too bad i got the jason statham going on there you go yeah not too bad so um but yeah this is uh the special coronavirus edition we're going to talk about uh, some current events because uh there's a lot of interesting things going on in the world uh with regards to firearms believe it or not and then uh we have some time we figured we'd talk about uh training at home that sounds good yeah and if you don't mind, I'm going to eat some of my food storage. I have a, I have a Cadbury egg in my hands. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Easter like is a week. <laughs> it's Easter, we're not even going to have a fun Easter this year, so I'm just going to eat the candy now. When is Easter? I don't <laughs> even know. Coming up, right? Yeah, next week. Yeah, next week. Yep. Yeah, next uh, next Sunday, I guess. So, um, but yeah, so that's uh, that's that's how this episode's going to go, and we're uh, happy to have Adam Boyce. Let's start with you, Adam. What have you been up to? Obviously. Uh, you know, you're you're somebody who usually travels uh, around the country and was supposed to travel around the world, if I remember correctly, uh, this year. And probably, unfortunately, not happening, is it? Yeah, so we've had to cancel a lot of events. We had uh, Tokyo, Japan. Uh, we we're going to teach at the USCC Expo in Kansas City. We had to cancel that as well. Uh, Palmyra, New York, Bethlehem, or excuse me, Palmyra, uh, Pennsylvania, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Um, several other places. We had to shut them all down until we know what's going to happen with this virus. So... Uh, kind of unfortunate. I love to travel and meet new people, so it's kind of not a good deal. That's so frustrating. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, what 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 are you able to do? I mean, are you, you going to reschedule some of those dates? Because I think that was ob like obviously your first time, um, you know, going to Japan at least for training, um, as far as I know. And uh, I think that's probably your one of your first times going to the East Coast to train, right? And to teach. Um, I've taught in Pennsylvania before, um, so this would have been the second time there, but, oh, there we go, but with, uh, <laughs> yeah, awesome, figure this Skype thing out, yeah, <laughs> no um, worries, so, uh, yeah, it would have been, uh, second time in, in Hershey, Pennsylvania, um, yeah, does it really smell like chocolate there, I mean, not that I'm fixed on junk food, but, Sorry. Yeah, sidetrack. Yeah, right to go where we train, it was uh, right next to the factory. You could smell it. It was, it smelled good. Probably one of my favorite places to teach. Uh, walked away from there, and they gave me a big box of Hershey candy. So more, more candy that. So, yeah. 
Well, and you don't you don't strike me as much of a candy guy. I don't know if you have a sweet tooth or not, but I feel like you're too busy I, moving around in training to have a sweet tooth. Oh man, I have a sweet tooth like you would not believe. Really? So I've got to be careful. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I got to be very careful. It's us Eastern Idaho boys. We just we love our junk. Love our junk food. Well, I mean, yeah. you're used to you're used to moving around and choring all day, so I get it. Yeah, and today I've had to have the calories because it was stupid cold. Yeah, it Gosh. was. It was unusually cold. I think all over the state today. I was gonna, I was gonna go outside and and take a nice long walk, but it was like thirty five degrees, and I'm like, I'm not gonna do that. Too yep. cold. Oh man. Well, anyway, um, I'm, Adam, I'm sorry to hear about uh, you know your travel plans being canceled and stuff. Um, that's that's unfortunate, but. Um, you know, I'm sure your family's happy to have you home, right? Yeah, it's a uh, good family time, so kind of a good reset. You know, you push sometimes a little more than you should, so sometimes it's good to just mm-hmm. reset, and this kind of forced me to do that, so one benefit to it. Yeah, and you said you're uh, you're having, you're being, uh, sorry, rather you're able to train at home a little bit more and practice a little bit more and kind of hone your skills, right? Yeah, so not so much training with partners. Um, our jujitsu gym, I'm not able to train there anymore. They've closed that down for the time being. But yeah. I have some apparatuses I can do at home in the garage, and and uh, picked up a couple new books and and videos to focus on some other methods and good time to kind of just focus on that. Well, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I mean, we we were going to talk about training at home a little bit and uh, kind of talk about how you can train at home with firearms or whatever, but. Um you know, knife training probably without a partner is probably a little more difficult than uh, most people would think. So, um, somebody's interested in that. What, what can, what advice can we give them? So there's actually a lot of different ways that you can train with a knife by yourself. Uh, one thing you can do is just hang up a rope. If you have a garage or a basement where you can attach a rope and hang it, um, you could use that as your targeting. So you don't need anything fancy. Uh, another thing I like to do is I'll take a heavy bag and then I'll take a bungee cord and a pool noodle. So I'll take up the pool noodle and I'll wrap it around so it looks like arms off of the heavy bag. And oh, yeah. then you can work strikes and use those pool noodles as arms. Um, I've got a couple other things to do. I've got a couple PVC dummies that I've made. You can build it like a basically a man-sized target with different arm angles for about $100. Um, you, don't, you don't really need anything fancy. You can do this kata, this uh, in the air, doing your flows. But pretty easy to kind of make excuses and say, well, I don't got a training partner. I'm not going to train, but really just have to be a little bit creative. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that makes sense. I mean, it sounds like not too far off from the, uh, the meat target that you make to show, uh, kind of how different blades (laughs) affect different things, right? Yeah. Kind of the same idea. Um, yep. Just practicing with the training blade. And then once you get good enough with it, like you say, you can go on to a, a meat target and actually use a live blade to quantify and validate that, what you're doing actually, um, that you can target what you want to target. So, um, so do you recommend obviously practicing? Like, do you recommend a practice blade then obviously, or, uh, you know, the, a, a real blade? Um, yeah. So uh, initially, so whenever you train with somebody, I never recommend a live blade, always a trainer just for sure. the safety partner. Um, but there gets to a point where you got to make sure that the knife that you actually carry is going to do what you hope it will do. You have to use it in the self-defense situation. Um, so the majority of the time, again, you're training with a trainer, um, but again, you want to make sure that you can validate that and make sure that the knife you actually carry will function the way you want it to. So, yeah, so that's good advice. You want to make sure that, you know, you want to, 
I could see where, especially taking taking your class a year or two ago with Steve, how uh, using a trainer knife would be beneficial. Well, yeah. Remember how sore your forearms get playing, playing uh, with the staccatas and everything in I, there, man? I do, because I remember how aggressive you were. <laughs> oh, come on. I had to let all that pent-up anger out. He was, yeah, I don't know if you noticed, Adam, but Steve was uh, Steve was a real, real aggressive type. He was ready to go. <laughs> I remember hey, he was yeah, all in. You got to you got to <laughs> practice how you how you're going to train how you're going to fight, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. It's so, not like everybody's soft butter. <laughs> no, that's true, but yeah, if you uh, if you haven't taken Adam's uh Adam Boyce's course yet, um for knife uh knife training, uh he's got a, a meat target. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the the meat target that you uh, that you construct to kind of demonstrate that uh, the effectiveness of different blades? Yeah, so that's one of the things we do in the, the knife seminars, the blade seminars, is we want to make sure, again, that the knife you carry will actually do what you intend. So what we do is we take a wood dowel, and then we take a pork tenderloin, and we butterfly that. And then we wrap that with butcher's twine and saran wrap. Um, and the way we set that up, it's as close as you can get to cutting human tissue, ligaments, tendons, that type of stuff. Um, and that's been validated through trauma surgeons kind of comparing what it actually takes. It takes about five pounds of pressure to cut through human tissue. Um, so we'll use that and then we'll put a piece of Levi over the top of it, denim, a jacket, um, an article of clothing so that you can see what a knife will actually do um, and the different styles of blades, um, that type of stuff. So we'll look at what a serrated blade will do, what a tonto will do, what a Warncliffe blade will do and kind of show you the different principles and concepts with different knives and and why you should look at certain things when you're selecting a knife for self-defense. Right, because... Uh... It, I was going to say, it really is quite a, amazing to see um, how, first of all, how little it really does take to get a good slice. And yeah. and then uh, how deceiving some of these tactical fighting blades, like uh, it's just good advertising. They're not very practical when it comes to defense. Right. Yeah, I, I've bought more than my share of knives that um, really wouldn't function as well as I would hope. Again, any any knife, I don't want to be cut by any knife, but some sure. will definitely better than others yeah well and what surprised me i think was um you know having uh, knives that that get stuck in tissue or in denim or whatever like you think that you know if you have a knife that you know has x y or z quality it's just going to go right through and you're going to be able to to bring that knife back to you know your position one or whatever um and it's it might not be the case it might actually get stuck um in in clothing or what have you you know yeah yep yeah, you can look at, for example, uh, one of the things you look at is serrations. Um, that's yeah. something every look. When you talk to people and say, "Hey, uh, what do you look at for a tactical knife?" And a lot of people say, "Well, I want something that's tanto, and I want something that's uh, serrated." That's what you'll see the majority of people is carrying is that type of blade for tactical knives. Um, you'll find with serrations, depending on the level of serration, um, they'll often get caught in the clothing, like you're saying. Uh, with the tanto blade, it doesn't cut as well because you lose a lot of that pressure when you make the actual cut. And then another style of blade that's popular is the karambit. And the karambits are really good for hooking. And like you say, um, when you do those tests, you can actually feel that it will snag. Uh, will hit bone, snag in the clothes. And you don't get a good cut as you, you would hope for. Right. And we don't want self-defense. We don't want to cut or stab somebody a bunch of times. We want to cut somebody once or twice, disable them so that they can't continue to fight so that we can be safe. So that's what our ultimate goal is, is, is to stop and not so much to kill them. So that's kind of the take we look at when we look at knives is 
what type of blade can I use effectively? And what's the blade style that's going to stop this person as quickly as possible? Right. You, you know, you may, oh, go ahead. you made me think of, oh, sorry, Mark. You made me think of something that's, you know, usually when we talk about defensive use, you know, we talk about handguns and, <clears throat> and how, how little support we get from movies or, or TV shows and how, how deceptive it gets and people get terrible ideas. And it really crosses over to the edged, edged weapon defense where, like you just said, the only the only purpose is to, you know, use the knife once or twice just to give you distance and time. Where in the movies, you know, you see these awesome fights, the knife fight scenes or whatever, and and you just think, well, that's that's what defense defensive knife use is is a bunch of slashes and and a uh, a really cardio workout. But yeah. yeah, yeah, kind of like a basically a blender fight. Everybody's just arms yeah. flailing, wearing cutting. Yeah. Yep, and and there's there's some realistic to that. I mean, if you start watching that uh, actual videos of actual attacks, I mean, you'll just see that it's repetitive. Um, they're using gross motor skills. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but not yeah. everything's not everything's a John Wick scene. That's right. Yeah, there was there was a movie I watched years ago. I think it was called Cash, and this guy he gets stabbed in the back, and he leaves the knife in his back, and then he pulls the knife out and stabs somebody, and the the guy <laughs> dies. Like it, it didn't work for him, but it worked for you, and. You know, there's a lot of that, like you say, in movies that's not realistic. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, that's I think that's reason enough to, to take a, an edge weapon class, uh, especially from Adam and uh, Spartan mode, um, because you really teach it how it is. And you really do. It, you know, I think a lot of people, just like with firearms, they just assume that, you know, you're going to be able to stab somebody multiple times or whatever or slash and that'll be it or whatever. Um, but really that couldn't be further from the truth. And you really do need training with an edge weapon, just like you do a firearm or anything else in self-defense. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. No. So that's one thing a lot of guys forget about me is actually for my day job. I work for a government agency and I teach firearms. So like, that's kind of my priority. So a lot of people think, uh, knives, the only, like the gun's the only way to go, but you need to look at the other variations and going back to what you're talking about as far as what to train, how to train, try and be as broad as possible so that you have different skill sets. You don't get to shoot sure. what the guy's going to do or what he's going to be like, or she's going to be like, so you need to be prepared for whatever comes your way. Yeah. We've talked about how you don't get to pick the when or the where or the how you just kind of have to, to deal with the, uh, be prepared to deal with what, you know, whatever's going to happen. Yep. Yep. And that's, that's the funny thing about Adam though, is because, you know, it's, I feel like we know him as the knife guy. You know, and he's, he's all about knives or whatever, but really you're, uh, you're kind of all over the place. Well, not all over the place, but you, you know, you teach firearms just as much as you teach, uh, as you teach edge weapons, right? Yeah. So that's kind of a weird thing about me is I have a couple hidden skills that nobody really knows about. <laughs> I do the gun thing. I was a sniper for a while. That's what I did when I was on the special response team. Um, but I'm also a master gardener. So this always gets everybody. So I tell them, you know, hey, the knives and guns. And I'm also a gardener and that kind of gets people like what? So I usually <laughs> stop telling people I do the garden thing, but a master like gardener. You're, you're like yeah. the Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I, I, yeah, I think you need to have something that's not about violence and I like gardening. It kind of, uh, kind of soothes the soul. Sure. Yeah. Well, what kind well, of gardening, trust- what kind of gardening do you do? Is it, um, is it like, uh, produce or is it flowers or a little bit of everything what uh, what do you like to do 
vegetable gardens, fruit trees, that type of stuff. There you yeah. go. Yeah, I'm not really into the flowers. Maybe I should do that. But <laughs> yeah, you could you could add florist to your uh, to your resume. <laughs> there you go. So, well, let's let's switch gears over to firearms real quick because um, we can talk about some current events real quick. There's a lot of uh, a lot of interesting, uh, you know, things going on in the in the firearm world, um, especially with. Uh, coronavirus and um, a lot of um, you know a lot of things being shut down. Um, thankfully, though, yeah. um, you know one of the things I was going to bring up is that gun store gun stores were deemed uh, essential by the federal government um, because there's been a lot yeah. of state by state, um, you know, I think argument and, and disagreement over whether or not firearm stores are essential service. And I think all three of us would agree that uh, firearm stores uh, are essential to self defense, especially as um, you read that you know some uh, police uh, and uh, LEO agencies are not going to be responding to uh, to some you know nine one one calls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and not only that, like in was it LA County or or just California jail, they're, they're releasing inmates because they're worried about confining them in the in a confined area and having them exposed to a virus, and so they're releasing criminals in into the system, which can only you know help it yeah I've, I've heard a couple cases already where there have been people released and they've already committed crimes killed people and and, really? and rapes and that type of stuff. like what why would we do this what what are we thinking what, yeah. what better place than in prison where you have confinement where you have limited access from the outside world it's like well, they're already yeah. isolated <laughs> right <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that it blows my mind you know it's funny mark when the first state to come out and say no, it's an essential essential business, was Illinois. Wow, that, really? That blew my mind. Yeah, in fact, I think it was the mayor of Chicago said, "No, we're not shutting down gun stores. All one of their gun stores, I guess." But <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. That's 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 news to me. Well, when I first read that, it blew my mind. Yeah, no, that's crazy. Especially because I yeah, the governor is a very left-leaning governor um you know just legalized marijuana in uh, in illinois uh january of 1st of this year so um kind of interesting to see that gun but hey you know what the one thing i'll say about illinois is that you know the city of chicago is very left-leaning and very blue but most of the rest of the state is actually um pretty pro second amendment believe it or not well well i, I do believe it you just get those high dense population areas that ruin it for the rest of them yeah, I mean, I, I lived in I lived in the suburb of Chicago. I grew up there, and then uh, spent about ten years in uh, Central Illinois before I came here. And just the the difference between city versus rural, and that kind of um, just a lifestyle difference, where firearms are normal, you know, in a rural area, especially with hunting or, or whatever. And then uh, you know, you go up to the city of Chicago, or um, and as much as I love the city, um, you know, you see. The only thing you see on the news is, is gang violence and murders and this, that, and the other. And it's just, uh, it's a lot. Well, it is Chicago. Well, I was, I was holding back a sneeze, something fierce, and it almost, I don't know, I almost yawned in Technicolor or something. It was... <laughs> I hope you're okay now. Well, we'll find out. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's really surprising. But uh, it's nice to see that, you know, federally, at least, they say that... Uh, know that that gun retailers and, and firearm stores are deemed an essential service because you know that's that goes along with the second amendment that you have that right to defend yourself you know yeah yep that's awesome 
So, but what's funny too is on on top of that is I got another one. I did a lot of I did a lot of cruising the news today. Um, is that um, our one of our favorite places uh, online? Vox.com. You you guys have heard of? Uh, oh, good old Vox. They are uh, <laughs> vehemently against um, you know anything firearms, and they have uh, they've come up with an article today. Um, <clears throat> saying that another way coronavirus will make Americans' lives worse in the long term. More guns. <laughs> More guns. That's funny because I only heard of one incident that I think was in Atlanta or something day before yesterday. Seems yep. like there was a, a an active shooter, but uh, and I'll, I'll get to, maybe you're going to touch on this too, Mark. I'll get to how many background checks took place last month, and you guys might be surprised. So there's a lot of new firearms owners out there that, uh, but not a lot of gun violence. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, it, it's interesting because I, I kind of cruised through the, this article a little bit. Um, and the, the leading <clears throat> first sentence says the coronavirus pandemic is leading people to buy way, way more guns. And that will likely translate into more gun violence in the long term. And then they just kind of go about um, talking about how, they just go with their same kind of stuff about gun violence and um, America's gun problem is unique and that we have more gun deaths per, you know, per a hundred people than anybody else and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, basically <laughs> it's like, it's like they're kind of shortcut into an old rehashed article, which I thought was kind of interesting. Well, um, that's like, it's like saying groundings are going to increase now that pool sales have gone up. Right. Or that it's the summer. Right. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about that, Adam? Yeah, I I agree with you. So the, the other side would say, you know, there are less shootings right now, but it's because there aren't social gatherings. Everybody's staying home and we're doing our part. So that's going to be the spin from the other side. But, but like you said, yep, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say domestic violence should increase if that's the case. Yeah. In reality. Yep. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what the stats are on that and what's happening. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, craziness. the funny thing is, well, let's let's Steve, why don't you tell us? I mean, how many how many more gun um, background checks and gun purchases there have been uh, in the month of March because of coronavirus? Because, you know, that's that's the funny thing to me is that when push comes to shove, whether or not people actually, you know, want to support gun control or not or support the gun rights when, you know, it hits the fan, for lack of a better term, and things get serious about self-defense. Look what happens. Right. Well, yeah, before I even go through those numbers, I, I'm, it's kind of interesting to think, like just like you're saying, Mark, that suddenly all these less than favorable, you know, people that don't like guns so much, all of a sudden now they know stuff's going to get crazy. Suddenly they want to buy a gun. Yeah. Right. N now that they know that the cops aren't going to show up, suddenly they're going to go visit their neighbor and say, "Hey, can I borrow a gun?" And, and my response would be, "Well, you can go wait for your background check." Yeah, you can I, go no, get your I'm, own gun. Yeah. So, uh, I, our, our, uh, you know how I like to get on the firearms blog, right? They have, they have a lot of good stuff on there. Right. Anyway, this, <clears throat> this is actually one of their articles that was posted today, I believe. Um, and they created a, a chart that went from 1998 when the background checks and Nick system started up till current. And so they have monthly totals and, and year-end totals. And it's kind of interesting. In, in uh, 98, 99, uh, both years combined, there was 9 million. Uh, no, let's see. 
Yeah, 9,138,000 background checks. Now, this year, 2020, it's January, February, March. Right. We're at 9,245,000 background checks. That's crazy. <laughs> just, just in March, there was 3.7 million background checks taking place. Wow. Wow. And I don't know if you guys have tried, like, gone into a shop lately or, or tried to get a background check on anything. Uh, if you don't have your concealed weapons permit, you should have already done it by now. But okay. uh, so I helped out at the store last time I was over there. It was like two and a half weeks, three weeks ago. Yeah. And, and federal law says that in the NICS system that uh, if you don't hear a response back in three business days, then you, you'll get the transfer. Well, now the FBI is well. When I was there, they were pushing it to five business days because mm. they were already getting backlogged. Now some of them are past thirty days. Wow, really? Which, which I don't know how they do it because it's a violation of federal law. But they're doing it because the system is so backlogged. The NIC system only has a handful of analyzers. That uh, actual physical people that do the work. A lot of it's done um, electronically, but they're they're just getting pummeled by these people buying guns like crazy wow that's awesome that's just because it, so many people realize it's good and bad it, yeah i was gonna say that that just takes into a factor into account that a lot of people realize that when push comes to shove that have to take their own you know defense and uh, protection of their family into their own hands you know yeah i think yeah. we talked i think we talked last week I can't remember. I guess this is more just hearsay than anything. It seems like the L.A. County Sheriff's Office had five. No, shoot. What did I do? You remember Mark and I was telling you, maybe it was 7,000. Maybe it was in D.C. They had 7,000 officers that were contaminated or uh, that got sick. Oh, Something yeah. Like we it was, talk, I think we talked about it off it was, the air where um, it was uh, a few thousand uh, L.A. County or uh, L.A. City officers that were um, infected with coronavirus. So what are they going to do? Like, you can't, the cops are not going to show up. They're just not going to respond. And and if they do show up, it, it'll go from the average of whatever seven minutes per call to two or three hours. It'll be ridiculous. Yeah, just the manpower isn't there anymore, you know? <sighs> scary, scary. So, um, yep, time to time to get ready yourself, huh? So the nice thing is, as I look at it as an instructor, yeah. is, and and maybe this is just the evil capitalist side of me, there's going to be a lot of revenue here coming in to instructors in the next, you know, six months. Hopefully. Well, that's, that's hopefully that because people get, you know, get wise and want to get trained. But um, well, that's a good question for both of you guys. How, how do you, um, you know, encourage people to, to get the training that they need to if they're new firearm owners? It's it's difficult right now, um, you know. I, I would still consider doing one on ones, but it's it's too too dangerous. I mean, if you look at the seriousness of the virus, like it's not worth trying to risk bringing something home to your family. Yeah, I know. I know a couple other instructors in other states, and they're still abiding by the six foot rule, keeping everybody separated, and still teaching. Um, I'm not comfortable with it, like you say, Steve. I I uh, you know I have a family, and I I'm. I like life, so I'm uh, I'm gonna hold off for a little bit before I teach anymore. Well, and I don't know how you would teach, especially a beginning handgun class, without being able 
to touch the person's hands or interact some way with them. Like, I, I don't know how you would do it. it. It's a challenge. Yep. Yep. That would be. Mark, we just need to get you, get you as an instructor and then you can learn. <laughs> yeah. You, you can feel what it's like to, to have to teach somebody. Well, you have, you've well, actually spent a lot of time with, with new shooters. I've RSO'd fair, you know, enough times and for enough hours and seen, seen a, a fair amount of new shooters and sometimes you do have to you know grab the gun out of their hands if they're not uh you know if they're not acting appropriately or following all the firearm safety rules or whatever but um and you, know, you did take one of the you did take one of the best rso classes out there i did yes in, in the entire world from steve zimmerman himself oh thanks gee thanks the accolades keep pouring in yes and it lasted the entire eight hours to the minute <laughs> <laughs> absolutely as required by the nra um but well yeah so i mean obviously everybody's kind of quarantined right now and nobody can go anywhere but you know it's not like all these people that bought guns are gonna you know decide to just sell them when when things go back to normal um so how do you kind of encourage those new people let's say a couple months down the road after this is all cleared up um you know to take to take firearms training courses so that's uh, actually something I have in the works. So I, I, like you guys have mentioned in the past, knives have been teaching knife seminars have been my focus uh, previously. Um, looking ahead, what we're looking at doing is doing more classes with like a cert or a cool fire trigger, or excuse me, a cool fire trainer, and basically have different scenarios. So um, we'll have a video screen on the back and and put people through some of that stress inoculation, and kind of get people comfortable with handling their firearm under those terms. So that's kind of how we're gonna kind of move forward um yeah how about you steve what are you looking at doing well that that is a good question <laughs> uh it, it's tough because i i don't know how many of them are actually interested in getting any training like there'll be maybe 10 percent that aren't even going to do anything about it they'll put yeah. the gun away or or they'll sell the gun which might be a good opportunity to pick up some inexpensive used guns but uh I, I think, honestly, just a good communication, like encouraging people to get there. But, you know, it's kind of tough. Um, my day job, I don't interact with a lot of people. Um, so I don't know. That's that's a tough question for me. I don't unless I spend a lot more time in the store and and, and just convincing people the importance of it. That's really what it boils down to is is teaching them for the few seconds you have them at the gun counter or whatever that they, they need some training. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think I'll go ahead. Go ahead, Mark. I was just going to say, hopefully what I think, you know, we can do is that, you know, a lot of these people who are new gun owners probably have friends, you know, that, that you have firearms already or, um, you know, have somebody they know in their world who can, you know, kind of push them towards training or whatever that already own firearms and has been through training. So I'm hoping that we can just be, yeah. you know, like we've said before, good stewards of the second amendment that can, um, you know, they can say, Hey, you know, Awesome. I'm glad you, you know, you decided to, to protect yourself and, and get a firearm to, to be responsible for your own safety and security. But, um, you know, you have to go through that training and all that and maybe, you know, offer to go not only take a new person shooting, you know, as we've seen has been, uh, you know, really successful, um, but also, you know, maybe take a class with somebody, you know, and brush up on your own skills together, you know. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, that's always it's always a good idea to even go back to the basic stuff, take a basic handgun with them. And, 
And if you do decide to do that, don't be the person that knows all the answers and just just sit back. If you know the stuff already, just sit back and let other people learn at their pace. But I think you're right, Mark. Just just being a good friend with a with time to take him shooting is would go a long ways as well. Yeah, just because I think that you know there's going to be a lot of new shooters and we can make a lot of new allies for the Second Amendment nowadays. Um, you know, especially just showing that you know things can break down really quickly and you know it can hit the fan and you know you really need to be prepared and that's you know being able to defend yourself as part of that preparation even when things are going great you know yeah that's one thing that's i think really brought brought to light back to me again and i think maybe we talked about this last week is how i i sat on my laurels too much and and didn't buy an extra box of ammo or you know just just little things to, to keep up not that i'm completely destitute of self-defense because i have enough for my needs right now but <laughs> you know when when uh when it comes down to just doing some training out in the desert or whatever, I don't want to shoot five, six hundred rounds and and then not have time to everybody to replace them. Yeah, yeah. I found myself just dry firing like crazy right now. I I'm not shooting a lot, uh, at least on my own at work where I can shoot. Um, I'll shoot government's ammo, but uh, <laughs> hey, that's my ammo you're shooting. <laughs> <laughs> but while while I'm uh, home, I don't I don't I don't want to shoot a lot of my own reserves. So. Um, with that in mind, I've been shooting with a couple different things. Have you guys tried the Mantis X? Have you guys played with that at all? Well, that was going to be one of the things that I brought up with um, that uh, you can use to train at home. Um, but why don't, why don't you? T- we've talked about it a little bit before, but um, you sound pretty familiar with it, Adam. So let us know. Tell us what it's about. Well, so the Mantis X, it's it's a little sensor that goes on your gun. But the cool thing about it is they've just partnered up with Dry Fire, um, Dry Fire Mags. I don't know if you guys have seen those, but it's basically a magazine that you put in your pistol. And every time you pull the trigger, it resets your trigger. So it's it's very really? similar trigger on your gun. But now they're coming out with those magazines from uh, Dry Fire Mag with the Mantis X that go together. So before in the past, when you wanted to oh, use awesome. with uh, with just the Dry Fire Mag, it didn't work with the Mantis X. So that's something I'm excited to get. That just came out like yesterday or the day before. But uh, both both good tools. Man, that's pretty crazy. Because, yeah, what the Mantis X does real quick, too, is it, it, it attaches to the end of your firearm, and um, it'll tell you where the muzzle's pointed, um, you know, while you pull the trigger and when that trigger breaks. Um, and it's a really good training tool, both for live fire and dry fire. But uh, I didn't know about the, the dry fire mags. How does that even work? Do you know, like, how it resets your trigger like that? Is there kind of like a like a lip or something that protrudes that's able to um, to reset your trigger like that? Yeah, so I haven't, I haven't looked too much. I'm not really a technical guy, but basically <laughs> the top of the magazine has got a little spring that just resets it. Wow. Forces that forces that striker back somehow? Or Yeah. yeah. I'm curious. Yeah. I always wondered why that never existed, and I'm, I'm glad they're out there. Yeah. They need to be a sponsor of the show so we can we can try a couple out <laughs> yeah and the man and mantis x does too so we can uh we can get you know get a couple and test them out and see how they are because um i think you're the second person to recommend them to us or maybe the third because uh back uh about last year uh jessica and sarah both recommended them to us too as well yeah and i saw it shot show i didn't go this year but i saw some of the videos um and they had dry fire mag is coming out with the rifle mag soon too so that would be interesting awesome. And CERT is coming out with that new stick. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Um, next level training. So everybody knows the CERT pistol. It shoots a laser, resets trigger. 
Um, soon, probably this next month, they're saying they're going to release that. So it'll be, you'll insert your pistol into this basically AR platform. So you're using the same pistol uh, grip as your cert pistol on the on what they call the stick. So you'll be able to work transition drills and oh, that'll be nice. Stuff. So a couple, couple of really cool things you can use nowadays for not a lot of money. I want to yeah. say that drive oh, there. Go ahead. I was gonna say, oh, the, the 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 technology is really catching up to to being able to uh, to train uh, just about as close to the real thing as you can get. It used to be, you know, what you'd have to place a tape a target to your wall and, and reset the uh, reset your pistol every single time, reset your rifle every single time. But you know, it seems like really you've we've got a lot of options now. Yeah, the the other one they've got is that cool fire trigger, and it actually you replace the barrel inside your actual carry gun or the gun that you you want to use, and then you uh, charge it with CO two, so it will actually cycle your pistol every time you pull the trigger. So you're using your gun, your sights, everything, and those are pretty slick little setups as well. And I think those you can get them for about five hundred dollars. So they're kind of an investment, but when you consider right now, you can't go out and shoot. You get something that reciprocates and working on getting your, you know, getting your uh, good sight picture and and trigger reset and everything else that goes with that it's pretty good well and and dry fire practice is uh invaluable anyways it doesn't really cost you any money but if you think of the difference of spending your ammo like like the survey i i I had that survey that we put out and and the majority of people use one to three hundred rounds per range visit and they're visiting the range uh i think twice a month was the most common answer so you think about that that's 600 rounds a month yeah. that uh, that adds up so the the cost for a 500 hundred dollar barrel that uh, that helps you dry fire i mean that's that's two months three months of range visits and you're there yep yeah yeah it really does even out and i mean that's going to last you a lot longer than than a couple of range visits um you know and, and like you said being able to do it from home and uh, i think we've talked about this too steve and adam you can probably attest to this too is that you know like for a lot of professional shooters, competition shooters and stuff, you know, for every live fire round that's that's expended, you know, how many hundreds or tens or dozens or thousands of dry fire shots are there, you know? Yeah, way higher. And I, I think there was a book, I'm trying to remember what it was called. I think it was, I'll have to think about it for a minute, but there was a book and they talked about a shooter from, I think it was Africa. And he was shooting, I think it was USPSA, but anyway, he didn't, he couldn't shoot ammo over there because they kind of regulated how much ammunition, it might've been South Africa, but anyway, they couldn't regulate, they regulated how much ammo he could have. So he went like a year with just dry firing and came to the U.S. to compete and smoke the course. Like, did it <laughs> really? There's also, yeah, there's also that gentleman that if you follow on Instagram, it's uh, T-Rex Arms. Oh yeah, I was just thinking about that. Yeah, he's got that gentleman from I think it was China or somewhere in Asia, China or Korea, something. Yeah, yeah, maybe Korea. But he wasn't able to shoot over there. But he used airsoft guns, and then he came and shot with with T Rex and those guys and smoked it. I guess he did incredibly well. So really? I think a lot of times kind of make excuses and say, "Well, I don't have ammo. I don't have money. I can't make it to the range." And really invest a couple hundred dollars in airsoft or a cool fire trigger or a dry fire training mag or cert or whatever or even just use the gun that you have like like steve was saying and and just get those reps in because it doesn't cost anything if you do it that way well and and, you know you talk about airsoft sig sig has an airsoft version of every one of their firearms so that's the actual weight the actual size really and they can be expensive you get to some of their rifles and they can be you know a couple hundred bucks 
yeah. but it is the exact same every one it's a one-to-one of of the actual firearm and so you can get your your training in for you know less cost i forgot about that don't don't the uh, magazines for the rifles sig rifles pellet guns don't they have like a belt fed internal or something like that you like feed the pellets in through like a belt loop and then i can't i can't remember i know their handguns like the their actual the, they're the same uh, capacity so if you got a 17 round magazine on your yep. handgun it's got the 17 round mag for the airsoft so everything is the same your mag changes and everything will be the exact same That's and cool. i know like yeah, i think uber x i think makes makes a lot of the same stuff i bought a uber x glock that i thought was the same it doesn't fit in any of my holsters. I was actually pretty upset about that. <laughs> yeah. You spend spend a hundred bucks on an air on a on a pellet gun just for training, and then it doesn't even fit. So, oh. what do you do? I guess you buy a new holster. <laughs> <laughs> well, that but so talking about airsoft and and that kind of stuff really does highlight something though is that um, you know talking about dry fire drills and all that you don't just have to practice firing. You can practice um, failure drills. You can practice reloading. Um, you know, you can practice your holster draws. There's a lot, a lot of pieces uh, of of kind of the the holster draw and and firing a pistol and reloading and all that that you can put together and that you can train over and over and over again. That again doesn't cost you any money, um, and that you can do at your you at your home, you know, over and over and over again. Yeah. Well, just like Adam was talking about transition drills, going from your handgun to your long gun, that can be. That could be a huge problem if you plan on doing both for some reason, even if you're hunting and you don't know how to get from your long gun to your handgun for some reason, that uh, that can be a, a, a huge time waster if, if you don't know what's going down. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's all definitely things to consider. It's just you have, you have the time and you have the option you know, now because you know, you're more than likely at home more. And, um, you know, unfortunately, some people – that uh that have lost their jobs or something like that you know they can't afford going to the range or can't afford the ammo there's still you know ways you can use your time without spending money to uh to really prepare and dry fire and all that kind of stuff um you know like i said or do magazine changes failure drills all that kind of stuff um it's all going to carry over you know i'm uh, curious to see what happens after this whole quarantine thing's over because i think there's going to be people that are training more right now because they do have the time like you say and other people are busy watching tiger king or whatever else is available. <laughs> but it's so it's so intriguing <laughs> yeah. well but, there's, yeah. there's nothing wrong with both I, yeah, I think <laughs> well there's right. something wrong with the tiger king there's definitely something wrong with that tv show but i, yeah, but I think a it's a great one. opportunity right now to to really enhance your skills and and get a whole nother level up well yeah. like you like you mentioned what adam you've been You've been watching videos. You've been reading books. I mean, you're not just sitting idle. Between the gardening and the books, you're, you're getting in there deep. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other thing too is, you know, you mentioned you're interested to see what's going to happen after this. Um, I'm going to see. I'm going to. I'm interested to see what's going to be happening legislatively after this, um, right. because you know all these people trying to buy guns and stuff. Um, apparently, I've seen this uh, kind of headline a few different times. So I know it's not necessarily satire, um, but, you know, they're talking about how people are going in to buy guns and they're mad because you can't get guns shipped to your house immediately. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? Suddenly they realize that you can't just buy a gun online. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, go ahead. 
I was going to say, it's not like the JC Penny catalog of 1808 where you just go down to the local store and say, Hey, I want this rifle and ship in a crate right there to the store and you pick it up. Yeah, man, you can't get a Thompson in a box anymore shipped straight to your home. But um, there was a quote from uh, Omaha Outdoors in Nebraska. Uh, We've been inundated with inquiries from out-of-state folks, mainly from California, asking if we can ship them a gun directly. The answer, of course, (laughs) is no. Despite what politicians and many in popular media claim, you can't buy a gun online and have it shipped to your house. Well, you could if you're an FFL and your home was a place of business. Other than that, no, you can't buy a gun online and have it shipped, especially across state lines to your home. And that's the funny thing is like, obviously as responsible gun owners, we know all that, but you know, people that, you know, suddenly decide that self-defense is the thing that they want to get involved with. What do you mean? I can't order a gun. Like I can't off Amazon. You mean the media was lying to me? Right. (laughs) If only there was a gun show, they could loophole. (laughs) Man, I'll tell you what, well, we're all socially distanced. So, so gun shows aren't happening. Yeah. That's a bump. Man. But, uh, you know, what do you guys think? you think anything's going to happen legislatively after that? Maybe, you know, kind of, maybe there may have, might open the door to national uh, reciprocity for concealed carry or uh, maybe Hearing I, Protection Act I, come I, back? I don't think we'll ever see the Hearing Protection Act come up, but come back again. I could be wrong. Um, the, the reciprocity might be interesting. Uh, it, it, that could be really cool. And um, Idaho certainly is, uh, is expanding their constitutional carry laws so maybe that'll you know keep bubbling over into other states yeah we can only hope yeah what do you think adam yeah that's uh something i I hope happens i i never i never know what to uh to expect i mean this whole quarantine thing just kind of came out of the blue i thought oh everything's all you know good and dandy and then this hit us and it's definitely set some uh some different plans in into play so I'm curious to see what happens. I know they're trying to sneak a lot of regular bills and, and big, what they say, the one bill they just passed was 619 pages or something crazy like that, and they passed it in a short period of time. So, really? And it, and it's costing us six, was it $6 trillion or some crazy yeah. amount of money? Yeah, but we high, do get it. We do get $1,200 back. Yeah, when we're all going to win, it'll be awesome. So, I'm definitely. That's the best I mean, part I, about that is that. How many, I mean, how many guns are we going to be able to buy with that 1200 bucks? Depends on how many kids you have. Yeah, <laughs> very true. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'll, I'll be interested to see what happens. I think, you know, a lot of people that have decided to, you know, take their uh, self-defense into their own hands, I, I think maybe we might turn them over into, into Second Amendment supporters. Hopefully, that's what I'm hoping. That'd be awesome. It needs to happen. You, you know, when we first started this podcast, you and, and Ricky made fun of me saying that, you know, that I said that the, the, the Second Amendment is definitely going to be different than what we understand. And I think it has changed a lot even in the last two years. Yeah. Um, but hopefully, hopefully we'll gain some ground back. Yeah. I mean, because maybe people will realize that it's that it's important, you know, and that it's in the Constitution for a reason, especially for times like this. Yeah. So, well, um, Steve, did you talk about, um, before we close out here, did you talk about the, the amount of gun sales? I can't, did we, did we say the actual number? Well, I got the background check. I'll have to do some digging. This, that was just talking about background checks, which as we, as we know, and I alluded to, that's just for those who don't have their concealed weapons permit, but let me just, uh, do some Googly Googling here. (laughs) Well, because you talked about how 
there have already been more, um, you know, background checks in 2020 in the in the three months of 2020 um, than there were, you know, 20 years ago in a whole year. Um, but I found an interesting statistic about um, the the amount this past month in just November. I mean, sorry, in just March alone. Did you see just that? in March? Yeah. Did you see that statistic? I don't think I have. Sorry, I'm just perusing an article from CNN for some dumb reason. Well, so CNN, um, well, actually, no, this one's from the New York Times. Is said that uh, in March alone, I, I don't know exactly where they got this from. Um, I've seen it a couple different places. There were um, 3.7 million background checks just in March alone, um, but almost yeah. 2 million guns were sold just in March yeah. alone. Yeah. Wow. How crazy Wait a is minute. that? If there's only two million guns and three million background checks. That doesn't make sense. Well, but unless unless some of them are denials, I guess. There's, I'm sure that's a thing. But also, remember you said that uh, you know you need to do background checks for concealed carry permits, and um, you know, you, I guess you could probably also make the argument that like silencers, SBRs, that kind of stuff would be background checks uh, too, right? Uh, that's that's true. Yeah, which is literally the exact same background check that you're going through. They just want to charge you an extra 200 bucks in 12 months of your life. Yeah. So, I mean, it's pretty crazy to know that. I mean, that's what? 1% of the population weighs about 300 million, 350 million people in America. And, you know, in one month, there's that many people that have gone to buy new guns and, and get background checks. Yeah. Well, then they need more. We need more guns. Well, but what about Vox, Steve? You hear what Vox said? Adam, what do you think about what Vox said? There's going to be more gun violence with more guns. Yeah, I don't believe that at all. I think there will be (laughs) more people will be afraid to commit crime when they know that grandma's got a gun in her purse or is packing heat. And I'm hoping so. Yeah, it's uh, and, you know, the other interesting thing, too, is that I've seen is that uh, there have been mayors and governors um, pleading to the citizens and to the criminals to not commit crimes because there's not enough law enforcement to deal with it and there's not enough uh you know not enough emergency services to deal with all the crimes being committed isn't that crazy yeah. that seems like that seems like an invitation to me it's like hey we don't really have enough officers and stuff to take care of this and we're not going to respond unless it's absolutely critical so please don't go steal anything or no don't go well you know those bad guys are totally gonna follow that yeah 100 percent. i mean they're watching the news it makes perfect sense so, it's ridiculous. Well, what are we going to do? Well, we're just going to keep on training how we can at home. And, uh, you know, if somebody's a new gun owner, like maybe a neighbor or a friend or something like that, be supportive and uh, um, just take it one day at a time, I guess. Right, guys? Yeah, that's right. Uh, yep. Um, yeah, be supportive. So, so I think we'll, I think we'll close on that. Uh, Adam, before we let you go, um, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Um, because I'm sh- you know, you've got a great social media presence, and we want to make sure that uh, when all this blows over, people are, are able to train with you. Okay, so on Instagram, it's spartan.mode. Um, and then on the web, it's just spartanmode.com. So that's where you can find me and find the list of my courses. Again, we're going to be rescheduling a lot of those knife courses uh, for Japan. will probably be December, January, somewhere there. I don't know how many listeners you have from Japan, but... <laughs> <laughs> A couple Pennsylvanians will be pushed back. 
we're looking at maybe doing Knoxville, Tennessee, and New Orleans this year. Um, hopefully Albuquerque, back to Arizona, um, and then here locally in Idaho Falls, Rexburg, Pocatello. Um, we got about 15 places on the on the list that we're looking at teaching in the next little bit once this all clears up. So. Well, and nice. then if, uh, if maybe enough people are interested, um, you know, in a certain region, can they email you to, to try to get you to come out there? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. If they want to just send an email to adam at spartanmode.com, we could do that way or just hit me up on Instagram or, or Facebook, send me a message and we can work that way too. Perfect. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you, Adam Boyce, for coming uh, and joining, joining us on the podcast again. It's always a pleasure having you. Hopefully uh, all this blows over and uh, you'll be able to start training again soon. And, uh, <sighs> And life will go back to normal, you know? That'd be awesome. Thanks for having me on. Good time with you guys. Always a pleasure. Steve, you got, you got anything else? No, just stay safe. You know, even though this whole quarantine thing really sucks, uh, just stay safe, making sure you don't expose your family to something that, uh, that could cause you a lot of a lot of sadness later on. So keep your hands clean. Don't touch your face. No picking your nose, that kind of thing. There you go. Steve told you. So that's well, right. If, if you I wanna, say so, it's true. If you want to get a hold of us as well, uh, email us podcast at iishooting.com or find us on Facebook um, at Range Minded Podcast and uh, the same on Instagram as well. So thanks for listening. We will talk to you next time. All right. Safe, thanks. guys. Bye. See you guys. Thanks for listening to Range Minded. Find us online at Range Minded Podcast on Facebook or send us an email at podcast at iishooting.com. We're always happy to get feedback, episode suggestions, whatever you want to send us, really. And be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and pretty much wherever else you get your podcasts from. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.